0: Thank you Richard. Good morning everyone. Good to see all of you here this morning especially if you're visiting with us we want you to know that you are a welcome guest and that we're thankful that you have chosen to come and spend some time with us this morning. It's a great day for our congregation in that we're going to be appointing this morning or installing this morning three men to the deaconship here, and so we're really excited about that. And so for those of you who are visiting, our, our worship service is going to be a little bit different than it normally is in that we're going to install these men. Before I get there, I want to share just a few things that are important for you as a congregation to know about. And, and that is, uh, to begin with, is we're going to have a time of prayer this evening. This is going to be so important. You know, there's so many things going on in the world around us. That uh, the elders felt that it was, you know, that the season might be a really good time for us to spend an extended amount of time in a prayer to God. We're going to be talking or praying about, um, well, we're going to be praying about. We're going to give praise and adoration to God. We're going to be talking about uh, the world affairs and world leaders and our own country. We're going to be doing some praying about that. We're going to be praying for our families, for our marriages, for our children. We're going to be praying for our teenagers. We're going to be praying for our missionaries. We're going to be praying a lot of things. And so I really want to encourage you uh, not to take tonight off, but to be back here this evening as we gather together to uh, spend some time in prayer. We're going to begin the service with our young men leading our worship, and then we're going to go into this extended time of prayer. And I think it's so important that we unite our hearts and our our souls together as we lift up these things uh, to God in in prayer. So there's going to be a time of, of prayer together with one another. Also, let me remind you that here in the middle of April, April the 22nd to the 24th, we're sending a a good number of our young people up to Richland, Washington to participate in LTC, Leadership and Training in Christ. And they're going to be doing a lot of work there, about 40 of our members, both adults as well as young people are going to be going up there, and so please be keeping these people in your prayer as we pray. And then let me just tell you as a congregation how uh, proud I am of you, how you so generously gave a lot of your things that you have. It, it might have been some extra things that you have, but nevertheless, you gave some really good things to the community giveaway yesterday. And we had, listen, we had well over 100 plus people that came through our doors yesterday and were able to uh, give up our means freely to them, people who were in need of some of those things, as as well as we were able to engage some of those folks in the gospel and tell them a little bit about the church. And so we had this community giveaway that was absolutely fabulous and great in many ways. That's just some of our crew that you see behind me. Actually, that's that's about half of what the crew was that started Thursday morning and they worked tirelessly throughout all day yesterday. And so uh, they are all down here working and setting things up and putting things together. I don't know if you recall this, but, you know, this was a brainchild of some of our, our widow lays. Edna Crumless and 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 uh, Nancy Kill. And Ruth Blackmer, they're the ones that kind of got this thing up and going. And then the rest of us got onto the ride, and they're still working in this. And we had everyone from the age of like five years old all the way up to 94. Bill Knoll, which is one of our elderly saints, he was here working last week helping set things up. Uh, Quirky mulky. she is 90 years old, and she spent all day yesterday down here uh, working, and so uh, it was just absolutely fabulous that so many people were down here doing a lot of things, and like I said, a lot of folks from our community came and partook of it, and then we had quite a few things left over, and a lady came and visited with us, and she said that she helps with a, uh, a woman's shelter, women who are looking for shelter for a lot of different kinds of reasons, and she took like four truckloads of things to help those ladies out. And so that was a a great thing. And so we're making an impact in our community in some incredible and really good kinds of of ways. We had a lot of stuff that was uh, down here. So like I said, this is a great day for our congregation. You know, when you talk about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is, is spiritual, but it transcends the spiritual from that just being spiritual to that which is of a material kind of thing as well. And so we express ourselves not only in spiritual ways, but we also express ourselves through material ways. And God has you know, given us this medium of expressing uh, that which is spiritual in our lives to that which is oftentimes physical. For instance, here are some of the expressions that God has provided for us to uh, express ourselves spiritually through a physical means. For instance, faith is expressed in obedience as we by our confession that jesus christ is the son of god and our baptism into christ for the remission of our sins we express our faith in that way or love is expressed by giving and when i talk about giving i'm not just talking about of our monetary means but we express you know our, our love for each other by giving each other our time by our energies and of course sometimes monetarily speaking and so we express love in a lot of different kinds of ways spiritual and yet uh, physical adoration is expressed in worship we come together like we did this morning and we lift up our songs to praise of of god we spend time around the lord's table as we remember what jesus has done for us and the sacrifice of our father so that he could spend eternity uh, with us we spent some time of giving of our means our sacrifice back uh, to god and then of course we uh, talk about god's word and so the church is temporal yes but it's expressed in material kinds of ways and that's what the church is about the church is about you know expressing god's love for mankind by taking the good news of jesus christ into our world We would use the word evangelism, but it simply means sharing the good news or bringing good tidings to people. And so the church does all those kinds of of things. Well, it wasn't long after the church began that God knew that, you know, in order for people to work well together, that they have to be organized to some degree. And as an organization, there's going to be a need for leadership, someone to provide direction, someone to uh, serve. And so there's going to be a need for leadership, and God made provision for that. For instance, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 11 through 14, there Paul says, God has some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for a work of service to the building up of a body of, of Christ. Obviously, the apostles and prophets have gone away, but still remains the evangelist, pastor, teachers. And the job of those guys is to give direction, to guide, to guard, to direct, to feed the flock, to move the flock forward until we become mature as a body of believers. So there was this overall responsibility to care for the church, to the maturation of the church. And then later, God would see that there's going to be need for a what I would call a maintenance department. Uh, when I say maintenance department, it simply means that there's going to, when you have a body of believers, there's going to be a lot of maintenance that takes place. There's going to be a, a lot of needs that are out there, and so when you look into the scriptures in Acts the sixth chapter, verses one through seven, in that section of scripture, you feel you see the first appointed servants of the church in the history of the church and then later on paul will be talking to his young protege timothy and as he speaks to him he's going to talk about how the household of god is supposed to conduct itself how it's supposed to act and part of that has to do with leadership in one sense it's talking about the leadership of the elders the overseers also known as presiders or, or shepherds, but it also has to do with those who are going to be serviced, the maintenance department, those who are going to be serving the body of believers. And so in 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 13, he lays out before us the qualifications of those men so that we can look out from among us and look for these quality men who have qualifications to meet some of the spiritual as well as the physical needs of the body of believers. So You've heard me say already a number of times the maintenance department, and so let's begin there. Let me talk to you a little bit about the work of a servant and how it fits into this idea of a a maintenance department. If you go back to the very beginning of the church, the inception of the church on the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost was day one of the church, and Peter rose up and he preached the, the first gospel sermon. And as a response to that sermon that he preached, over 3,000 people responded, and they they were baptized into Christ for the remission of their sins, and it says that God added them, and so they were being added to the church, and so the church starts off really quick. As you get down to verse 47, it says that the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved, and so That first 3,000, it didn't end there. They continued to grow in that church in Jerusalem until finally you come to around Acts, the sixth chapter, where it says, and the body was increasing in number. You have well over 5,000 Christians who are in Jerusalem. When you have that many people, you have lots of of needs that are, are there. And so in Acts, the sixth chapter, verses one through seven, I'm not going to read it because later on our Clark is going to come and and share that with us. But in Acts, the sixth chapter, verses one through seven, a a need arose. When you have a congregation that is growing that rapidly, needs are going just naturally arise because of of that fact. And so when any time a church grows, needs come along with that. And the church in Jerusalem is no exception to that fact they're going to have things that are going to arise that have to be met. And one of the things that arose with people coming from all quarters of the known world at that time, certainly within the immediate proximity of Judea, you have lots of people who are displaced. And some of those people that are displaced are widows. So in the church in Jerusalem, you have both Hebrew widows and you also have Grecian widows. Um, these Grecian widows are those who are probably proselytes; They have become Jews by, uh, by you know, initiation into the Jewish faith. But they're feeling as though that they are being neglected when the serving of the tables is, is happening. And so the apostles reckon that's more than they could possibly do. And so they tell the membership to choose from among themselves men who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom and appoint them or at least decide who those seven men are going to be that are going to serve tables. And so that's the first mention of a specific need within the, the first century church. And in this case, it's a physical need that is there. And so their work was in contrast with that of the apostles the apostles decided that they're going to maintain that which is essential to who they are as apostles so they said listen we're not going to serve tables we're going to give ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer but there are these needs that are out there and so we need some people to do so and so they chose from among themselves seven men full of the holy spirit and wisdom men that they could trust and they bring them to the apostles to delegate and to lay hands upon these men to carry out that work that is put before, before them. So the apostles recognize something, and what they recognize is that they can't do it all, that they will retain that which is essential to them, and they'll delegate the rest of responsibility to others who will meet the needs of the body. And so this becomes, in a sense, the first um, uh, model for leadership called deacons. They're called servants who are going to serve the, the, the church. There. So that becomes a model for that which will soon come down the line. So then you come to the church itself, that which was we are a part of. Then it began back in the first century and then extends now here to the 21st uh, century. So today we appoint elders. And when we appoint elders or install elders, they have a responsibility, and that is to oversee the flock. They are to feed the flock. That is to make sure that they're nourished with the word, that they are to protect the flock from false teaching, and sometimes even from ourselves, They're to give direction to the flock. They are to chart the way for the body of Christ, and in particular, this, the Lender Road congregation, we have... Eight men who are in that position as shepherds over our congregation, which we're very blessed with. Ultimately, they're responsible for the spiritual and physical well being of the Linder Road congregation. But, like the apostles, the elders here, of which I am one of them, the elders, you know, we look out among uh, our congregation and we say to ourselves, SELVES, these are a lot of people here. Men, women, and children are like 470 of us. And so how do we take care of all the needs that are there? How do we divide ourselves up eight different ways? And the answer to that is is that it's almost impossible to do so. And so we have deacons that by God's wisdom and by divine appointment, he has showed us a way that we can provide someone to meet those needs. And so you have the appointment of servants in the church today so the appointment of, of, of servants which we favorably refer to as deacons it comes from the greek word diakonos which means to minister or to serve they become a part of the church leadership and so you begin with the apostles you have the servants and eventually paul is going to start appointing apostles and others are going to appoint I'm sorry appoint elders Elders are, like I said, are also called overseers. They're called bishops, presbyters, uh, shepherds. Those are all biblical terms, and if we had time, I could go down through the words episkopos and presbyteros and poimen and all those words, but I bore you to to death we don't have time to do that. But, you know, that's their role, to guide, guard, and direct and, and take care of the congregation, but then you have deacons, and deacons are going to be those who are going to be in the maintenance department for lack of a better word. They're going to serve us as a congregation in the manifold ways that are there. And we know that they had both elders and deacons in the church because of various um, parts of the scriptures. For instance, in Philippians, the first chapter, and verse 1, Paul begins the letter or the epistle by writing to the saints who are in Philippi, and he mentions specifically the overseers And the deacons. Later, Paul is going to be writing to his young protege Timothy, who is the evangelist in the church at Ephesus. And in the church of Ephesus, as I've already mentioned, he's going to speak to him about how the household of God is to conduct itself. And one of the areas is going to be that of leadership. So he gives the qualifications of the elders beginning in verse 1 of 1 Timothy 3 and going all the way up to verse uh, verse 7. And then you have the deacons from verses 8 down through verse 13. And so what I'm saying to you is that in the first century church, you have a mature congregation in Philippi, and you have a mature congregation in Ephesus, and they have elders, and they have deacons, and they have evangelists that are on board there. But like the apostles and those first, set, uh, those first servants in Acts 6, there is a contrast. They are both servants and both leaders, but they are different in function. And it's the same way when you talk about the elders. The elders are to guide, to guard, to, to, to direct, to protect, to feed, and so forth. And in my estimation, being an elder carries in a, a tremendous amount of responsibility in taking care of the welfare of the church. But they can't do it alone and God knew that so he provides a counterpart and that is those deacons. And so this is the ministry of deacons or servants. That's where that comes in and their function like that of the first servants in Acts 6 is to help the elders retain that which is essential to them to shepherd the flock and then they become the servants or those who are going to serve the flocks or serve the tables as it were. And in our congregation, we have well over probably 20, maybe 30 different kinds of ministries. I was talking to my wife, Lori, yesterday, and I said to her, you know, when it comes to the, to the church, there are so many moving parts. There are so many things that you just don't think about that you just kind of take for for granted but there's so much that is there that has to be has to be done so a deacon's function is to carry out whatever responsibility el- ability that the elders delegate to him whether it's physical whether it's spiritual there are those who say well listen the elders take care of the spiritual stuff and the deacons take care of the physical stuff and i just don't agree with that because the elders oftentimes take, al- take, uh, take care of a lot of physical things as well as spiritual things, and elders delegate a lot of spiritual matters to deacons, as well as physical uh, matters. So what deacons do is they help the elders efficient to, to be efficient and to effectively tend the flock, while they, on the other hand, they take care of a lot of the tasks. I was going to say menial tasks, but there's nothing menial about being a deacon. I was looking at, you know, here last week as I was putting together our our ordination ceremony or our ordination or installation process and sharing with you, I was looking at past. Man, we've had a lot of deacons in our congregation, you know, men that are still here, but we burn them out, you know, and they had to replace them. That's not really true, but, but, we, but there's been a lot of men that served as deacons here, and we've had lots of men who served as elders here as, as well, and, and both played such important roles. The reason why I think that deacons do more than just the physical things is that I think by divine providence, God knew that there were going to need to be quality men who are going to serve that are very trustworthy men. And that's why they have qualifications to serve as deacons because they're not only going to deal with physical things. They're going to deal with a lot of spiritual things as well. Just a a list of them very quickly, and this is by no means extensive. It goes far beyond that. But we must not neglect our widows or those who are in need, such as benevolence or those who are weak, who are losing strength. We need people to to work with those. We must not neglect our missionaries or our local outreach to this community. We must not neglect our our worship. There's a lot that goes into a worship uh, period or assembly. And so that, there are, there are, that it's a quality service, and then there's our facility, you know, to keep it up so that you can be comfortable in the winter and comfortable in the summer, and that we give you a nice, cushy place to sit. Uh, we must not neglect our our youth and the needs of our young families. We must not neglect our personal and spiritual growth as individual members of Christ's body. We must not neglect the education of the the body, you know. We have deacons who serve over every one of these areas that I just mentioned and and much, much more. That of fellowship, 15 to 18 ministries or, or more are out there that have to be maintained within our congregation. So you have elders that are trying to watch after the flock, but we can't be everywhere and every place at the same time. And so, like I said, providentially, I think God has established... The role of a deacon or a servant in the congregation that is qualified to serve the uh, congr- congregation, and so together as a congregation and as the elders, we have placed before you uh, three men to be new deacons, to be new servants. We identified a number of needs that we have, and so Adam Clark and Steve Zeller and and Perry Pruitt. Uh, We asked if they would serve, and they said, we would love to serve, and then we put your names before them. And since there's been no objective biblical reason for why they can't serve, we're going to install them today alongside these other 12 men, Joe Bonjournal, Stan Durfee, Dave Hornsby, Buda Tinky, Richard Jewell, Mike Kish, Ed Kloppenstein, John McCarthy, Eric Neville, Alex Payton, Joe Seagraves, and Lance Wheeler. Those guys are all presently serving in various roles, and we're just adding uh, Adam and Steve and Perry uh, to that list. And so what we're going to do as we begin this process is that um, Art Clark is going to come forward and share with you some of the qualifications of the deacons. You have like five minutes to do that in, in art Actually, you take whatever time you want. Uh, but, and then uh, John Mendiola, one of our other elders, Art is one of our elders, but John Mendiola is going to come, and he's going to share with you, or he's going to charge these new deacons with their response, uh, ability, and then following him, we'll have some prayer, and then we'll just go from there, okay? So, uh, Art, the floor is yours.
1: Now that Richard's finished the introduction to the sermon... <laughs> He mentioned Acts chapter 6, and in Acts chapter 6, you had some widows that were being neglected, and so then the the apostles decided to appoint some men to serve those widows, and they gave the qualifications for those men in chapter 3. It said, instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit, and full of wisdom. So it gives three qualifications there or three qualities. So I'm going to refer to these as qualities, not qualifications that a, that a deacon should have. And these are servants. Servants are deacons. So it doesn't use the word deaconos there. But, but these men are commonly thought of as the first deacons because they were servants. And I might point out that all of your elders here, we are servants. We all have a servant heart. And what we look for in deacons are men with servant hearts. So um, then Paul goes on to explain to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 the qualities of a deacon as he is appointing deacons in the church in Ephesus. And so, um, as it was said in Acts, one of the qualities was they had to be men of good reputation. Well, then Paul expounds on that in 1 Timothy when he says they are to be proven. So to be good, of a good reputation, they have to be proven. Are you a faithful servant right where you are? Only then can God give you more responsibility. So you have to prove yourself first. And I might point out, Joseph was a servant in Egypt for 13 years before he went on to, to take the role of second uh, in command in Egypt. Um, Moses you know, took care of sheep and raised his family for 40 years before God sent him to Egypt to free his people. So he served a bunch of sheep and showed that he could raise a family before God sent him on to Egypt to, to free his people. Joshua was Moses' servant before he became the leader and succeeded him in leading the people. David was tending his father's sheep when he was called to be the king of Israel. So we all. You know, as leaders we start off as, as these servants. And so I would I would encourage all these men to aspire to become to become more and you know, even as deacons, they are our leaders in this congregation and a lot of these ministries. So uh, we really are encouraged to have them as part of our congregation. Um as part of our not as part of, of the, the group of deacons. Um, also, they are to be the husband of one wife, which, um, you know, they're not to have a reputation for unfaithfulness. So that's, that's part of the qualities that are mentioned uh, in Timothy. Uh, and they're to be sincere in their pursuit of the truth and service of the Lord. Sincere means not insincere, not having two faces, someone um, that's of their word and someone that doesn't gossip. Sincere people are effective in their ministry. Why? Because people trust them. Um, The second quality in Acts is they're to be full of the Holy Spirit. And um, Paul elaborates on that in Timothy by saying that um, they're to be men capable of serious thought and real responsibility, serious about their faith and serving God, men of dignity or dignified, dignified, worthy of respect. And I think all of our deacons are that. They conduct themselves in a manner that others respect and even desire to imitate. Not given to drunkenness. The spirit should control them, not alcohol. And not greedy for money. Greed leads to dishonesty. One who lives for money alone has no time for the Lord's work. And these men all have time to devote to the Lord's work. And then the third thing in Acts is they were to be men full of wisdom. And in 1 Timothy, it says, knowing God's truth and living it, or holding to the mystery of the faith. That's an interesting phrase, mystery of the faith. But basically what that's referring to is there were secrets in the Old Testament that were more fully disclosed in the New Testament. And so that was the mysteries of the faith that they're they're holding on to. And so they must be students of the word of God. And not only students of God's word, but they have a uh, a deacon's ability in the church. No doubt one of the major areas Christ will look at when judging the faithfulness of his servants Is their family life? Did they train their children in the Lord? We have um, bad priorities. Not our deacons, but some people in the church have bad priorities. Um, They prioritize their work, their friendships, their entertainment before their families. And that's one of the things that I think our deacons are all good at, is they prioritize their families, and so they are to to put their families uh, and God first. So that's the qualities Uh, that we look for in a deacon, and I think that's the qualities that our 12 existing deacons all have and that these three men that we're going to be appointing have.
2: First and foremost, thank you so much to the existing elders I get to serve with, but also to the existing deacons as well. This is a special day for those three that are being installed, but it's also a special day for this congregation as we have. You are accepting the responsibility that comes with being formally recognized as a deacon here as we assemble as God's children at the Linder Road Church. You have been chosen according to guidelines that were given by the Holy Spirit, now as shepherds of this congregation, we charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ to diligently fulfill this new ministry of service that you have agreed to undertake. We charge you to work for God and not the notice, but remember that your Father in heaven has a special reward for those whose loving service is ignored by men. We charge you to be forgiving of the elders your fellow deacons and all members. Sometimes you will be criticized, sometimes unjustly. Do not let a root of resentment grow in you against wickedness, because as a leader of the Lord's church, the evil one desires to sift you out like wheat. We charge you to always be ready to explain with gentleness and respect the mystery of the faith and your hope of salvation. We charge you before God to honor your family. Do not use this work as an excuse to neglect your duties as husband and as father. Finally, we entrust you to God and the word of his grace, his message that can build you up and give you an eternal life.
3: Well, as Brother Art and John have shared with us, we see the responsibility of a deacon is an awesome task. But Let's talk about us for a minute. We must remember the responsibility of every Christian as a member of the Lord's body, the church, is also an awesome task. These men and and those who are are serving currently have volunteered to lead and to be held accountable in a public way. That's to be commended, and we thank them for that, but we all have work to do. In Jeremiah 1, 5, God speaks to his prophet there. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. You don't have to be a prophet to be known by God. You don't have to be a prophet for him to consecrate you to service. God has given us all talents and gifts. Sometimes we think of them as that's just something that comes naturally to me. I'm good with numbers, I'm good with languages, I can talk to people. Those are talents given to us by God and we know that Jesus has told us we need to use those talents and not just let them die on the vine. We've got to develop those. Paul goes on to expand this in Romans 12 and he talks about the church body being like the human body. Everybody has a different work to do and it all functions differently giveaway yesterday but you saw in the photos just how wonderful that was. It was a beautiful thing to see everybody coming together, using their talents, and not everybody can do the same things. Um, You had people out there with high energy, flashing the signs out there so they could know we're here, know where to come. You had people serving coffee and food. You had uh, other people lifting heavy things, but you had other people reaching out to people, and they've got that way that they can break down barriers and make a connection, and that was a beautiful thing to see also. Those who work hard among you, who lead you in the Lord and teach you. Respect them with a very special love because of the work that they do. When you try to think about how, how do we put that into motion, what Paul admonishes us to do, I think we could say if we appreciate them and honor them, we encourage them with words. So these people that are serving, make sure you let them know you do appreciate them. Let them know you see the work that they're doing and the time that they're investing, and let them know about that and it says respect them with a very special love. I I would suggest maybe that's where it comes into more than just words. Consider your talents, consider the ministry areas that we have here, and go to the deacon that's in charge of that. Let him know your availability, your willingness to work. Let him know your capabilities, what the talents are that God has given you, but maybe even more importantly, let him know your passion, let him know your vision for what you see about the work that can be done in that area and how we can glorify God with that. And lastly, pray for them regularly. That's something that as leaders we all could use. We all covet your prayers from the body, uh, going to God on our behalf, asking for strength and wisdom for us. And our brother Wendell is going to come forward and we'll do that just now.
4: Would you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, I raise my hands to you in prayer on this moment that we uh, come before you as we pray for these three men that are going to take on the position of, of being a deacon for this church. For we know that ministering to the, early, this, to the Lord's church here at this location is important. It is uh, together to worship you, and without the service of our deacons, we cannot expand, we cannot grow, we cannot be energized and edified. We're so grateful for that. Lord, we pray for that preferences among ourselves may be recognized as preferences, but not get in the way of our serving. For as elders we lead, but yet we want it a certain way in our own way. But yet we want it your way is what we need to give way to. And as the deacons are delegated, and they do their service to this con- your church here, that they may do it in a way that honors you, and not just their preference. That glorifies you, and not our preference. Lord. Let us work to glorify you. We are the body of Christ. Each one of us is so important to you. Each one of us has ta- been given talents. Each one of us must be dead. Let us forgive others, each others, and be patient with each others as we serve you and glorify you in this, re- this area. In your son's name, Amen.
5: going to introduce me and say, well, Dave's got a few things to say, but Dave only has a few things to say to build upon what Dana just said. So today we're focusing, of course, on the installation of our th- three new deacons to serve the congregation. And while we've already seen and heard the, the uh, biblical command and the application uh, of this very important process, I think sometimes we get complacent and we believe uh, that if I'm not an elder, or if I'm not a deacon, or if I'm not a minister, then I don't have to do anything. And I want to hopefully say, put that thought out of your mind. That is not a biblical thought, because I believe that the Bible teaches us that every one of us has a duty to serve whenever our abilities um, and the opportunities present themselves. So. Turn your Bibles, uh, if you would, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Um, we're gonna be looking at verse 13 in just a second. Let me just set the foundation of this, of this letter uh, that Paul has written to the Galatian churches. They have, those churches have reverted back to a worldly way of thinking. Uh, they've reverted back and replaced what they knew to be true and correct and the right thing to do to sinful ways again and thinking in a sinful way. Look at verse 13 now, if you would. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love... Serve one another. The verse, I think, carries with it the idea of loving one another. If we love each other, then we'll want to serve each other as much as we possibly can. Remember the words of Jesus. Very uh, common verse. Uh, you'll remember this: John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you love one another. And again, another really familiar verse: uh, Matthew 22, verses 30 through 37 through 39. This uh, the the content uh, here uh, context is the Sadducees are challenging Jesus, and a lawyer for the Sadducees comes up and says, "Hey, um, what's the greatest command?" What's the greatest commandment? Here's what Jesus says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. This is the greatest and most foremost commandment. But the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And finally, Jesus provides us with the perfect example of what it really means to be a servant in John chapter 13. And if you were in class this morning, you know that Brother Shelby covered this already. And there's no way for me to improve upon what Shelby did and explain that verse. Let me just highlight what I think it says. Uh, This is uh, John 13. We're going to look at verse 13 through 15. You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. It should be easy for us, I think, to see and to understand and grasp the concept that we are all servants not just deacons, not just elders, not just ministers, we are all servants. And just because we have elders and deacons and ministers, we should not, and we, in my view, cannot think that we have no obligation to serve one another. So let us be thankful today that we have these three men to uh, lead us and to rely on them to provide a necessary service to the congregation, but let us not forget that every one of us has a similar and important obligation to each other, to the congregation, to serve one another, as Jesus has pointed out. The the installation
0: uh, of these three men, but before we begin the process, I would like to take just a few moments to recognize some important people to our congregation. I'd first like to invite all of our elders. If you guys would come up here and stand behind the, the table here, that would be appreciated. So uh, These men uh, serve tirelessly. I mean, I can't I tell you how much time they spend in spend in trying to uh, lead our congregation in ways that would keep us being the congregation that's healthy and and vi- vibrant, they're, they're great men, I serve with them, and so they are, are great guys. And so most of you, all of you already know them, and so um, their reputation, who they are, really stands for themselves. <clears throat> I'd like also at this time to recognize uh, their wives. And so if I could ask the elders' wives if you would each stand. And so um, these ladies, uh, what's the old saying, that behind every good man stands a better woman, that there's so much truth in that. And these women are such great servants, and they serve way beyond that, their capacity. They, they really uh, back up their husbands and strengthen them and uphold them while they're trying to shepherd our congregation. So ladies, thank you so much for your service. You can be seated. I'd like also to ask the, uh, our 12 existing deacons and your wives if you would stand as well. <clears throat> Go ahead and stand. Don't be scared. And have your wives stand with you and... Uh, these men, like I said, we have, a, uh, we have 12 of them presently, and these men work so hard, uh, and their wives support them so well, and they do a lot of work as, as well. And so uh, make sure that you uh, uh, tell them how much you appreciate the work they do, because they really do do a, a lot of things in our congregation. Thank you. Please be seated. Um, I'd also like to ask if uh, Clint Davison and Jared McCormick, if you guys would stand along with your wives. Um, these men serve as other ministers. I serve as, uh, you know, the pulpit minister, but uh, Clint, he serves in working with our church growth and with our family ministries and our care groups. And he just works so hard. And, and Kara is such a, a good uh, helpmate to him. And, and Jared, of course, works with our, our teenagers and, and he does a great job as well. Did I mention that you work with our young families? Think I did, but Jared, you know, works real hard with our with uh, our young people, uh, uh, our our teenagers. That's this crew over here, and um, and Brittany does a lot of background work and is just a great helper as well. And so, thank you, gentlemen, for your service. You can be seated. Finally, I'd like to invite the three men that we're going to in, in, install this morning. So Adam Clark, if you'll come forward. His wife, Ashley, is at home with Finn, their little one. He's sick, and so she had to stay home. But so Adam Clark, Steve and Joel Zeller, if you would come uh, forward. And then Perry uh, and Wendy, would you guys come forward? And you guys can to stand right here. <clears throat> So, after hearing all that stuff that we said, you guys are kind of on board with all this stuff still. <laughs> I know you are. But before uh, we complete and so I, I have a couple of questions that I'm going to ask both of the congregation and then to uh, Perry and Stephen and, and Adam. So, let's begin by your part as a congregation. Would you all please stand for just a moment, please? <clears throat> Here's my question to you concerning these men, after all the qualifications and the responsibility they have and your responsibility to them, will you as a flock of God to the best of your ability and by God's help, help Adam, Steve, and Perry to carry out their assigned duties as deacons and to carry out their service in order that we might glorify God in all that we do? Would you respond by saying we will? God bless you for doing that, please be seated. And now we come to uh, you, you three. Um, Adam, Steve, and, and, and Perry, do you accept the responsibility and duties of serving this congregation by word, example, indeed to ensure that the flock here at Linder Road remains spiritually healthy, vibrant, and active in giving glory to God to the best of your abilities and by God's help, Perry? So Perry said yes. Steve? He says, I do. And Adam? Will. He, he will. So, these are all individualists, obviously. But uh, I'm so excited for you three men. Our congregation is so excited. We, we have eight great uh, shepherds in our congregation. You have 12 men and their wives who serve as deacons and that you're going to join with, and they're great men as, as well. And, and uh, this is a great congregation. And uh, you're blessed to be a part of it and to be able to serve, but we're blessed in having the kind of men you are. Uh, you're quality men, not just qualified, but you're quality men. And you stand out, and that's recognized. The congregation sees it. The elders see it. And so we're excited for our time together and serving with one another. Butch Amix, one of our elders, is going to lead a prayer on, on your behalf. Let's all pray.
6: blessing it is uh, this morning for this special event, for these uh, these three men and their wives that uh, have taken on additional responsibilities and additional services within this congregation. Father, we're thankful for your word, and we're thankful that your word clearly defines here in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. What the qualifications are, as Art said, the qualities of these men are. And we're also thankful that that word shares what the qualities of their wives are as well. And how important that is. And how a deacon cannot do his role without his wife. And his wife cannot fulfill her ministry without her husband in these areas. And we're so thankful for that relationship that you have spelled out in your word. And we're thankful for their hearts, for their commitment to you, for the encouragement that they have given all of us. We're thankful for Adam and Ashley. We're thankful for Steve and for Joelle. We're thankful for Perry and Wendy. We love them, Father, and we just pray that uh, you would guide them and be with them. Us to support them as best we possibly can, and to encourage them. Thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We don't. They don't normally have even near this many qualified men, but if you. Counted up the numbers, we have eight deacons, 15, I'm not sorry, eight elders, 15 deacons, uh, two ministers. I do double duty, so three ministers. Uh, if you were to put it all together, that's 25 men from our congregation that serve in leadership capacity. Along with their wives, that's 50 people in our congregation. I mean, that's incredible when you think about how God has blessed Alinda Rowe. Not only is he blessed, but I think he expects much of us as a congregation, not only from the leadership, but from the body of believers as, as well. So that's the installation. We're happy about that. We would be remiss if we didn't give opportunity for someone to uh, respond if they feel the need to the gospel. And so traditionally we always sing an invitation song and that gives opportunity for a person if you need to respond because you have decided to be obedient to the gospel. Or maybe there's a need that you have in your life that you want to show that you'd like us to pray for. This would be a great opportunity for you to do so. So if you would stand, we're going to sing a song. If you need to respond at that time, that would be great.